0: Hey there, welcome back to Writer and Geek. And I know that we have been away for a long time, almost two months now since our last episode. But this episode is about what happened to us during those two months. And believe me, it's not good. And this is going to be a little different episode and it's not going to be the general rambling between Shankar and I. This is going to be an episode where we sit down and talk with someone very special. None other than the producer of Chad Topping Podcast, The Indian Noah, Nikesh Murli. Nikesh is an acclaimed voice actor with a lot of awards and credits to his name, and he's also the producer of Indian Noah. If you have not listened to Indian Noah, I think you're missing out a lot. We'll put the links to his show and his website um, in the show notes. Do give a listen to this episode where we talk about horror and the history of horror and why human beings are so fascinated with horror. And trust me, there are a lot of life experiences which are being discussed in this episode. So you would find it interesting. And somewhere down the line in this episode, we also hear a narrative about what happened to the writer and the geek. So give this episode a listen. I hope you enjoy it. And this episode being a very long episode, we have split it into two parts. So we are releasing the part one today and the next part will come out next week. And as always, thank you so much for your support and enjoy this episode. I'll see you at the end of this. So Nikesh, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a great pleasure having you on the show. So would you want to start with, uh, you know, introducing who you are and what you do and stuff like that? Sure. Uh, Thank you for having me, guys.
1: And uh, look, this is very exciting to be on the show, to be on India's premium popular culture podcast, The Writer and the Geek Show. And um, look, I I feel like Indian Noir has peaked. And for those of you who don't know what Indian Noir is, Indian Noir is a a storytelling podcast. Um, It's India's most popular adult storytelling podcast, and it covers horror and crime stories. And I am Nikesh Murli. If you don't know me, uh, I've been professionally writing for fifteen years. Um, I then went off writing. Uh, I did other things in my life, got into voice acting, and then that really took off, and I thought, you know what, how about I go back and pursue my love for writing and telling stories? So the two came together in the form of Indian Noir. Um, and it's been a, a wonderful journey with regards to the podcast in terms of listener numbers and feedback and the critical acclaim. And that's brought me to the show, talking to both of you.
0: <laughs> that's amazing, Nikesh. It's it's always great to be able to do uh, things that you really want to do in life. And um, I think you have put us in a really high pedestal. Uh, yeah, feeling it... <laughs> I, I,
2: I think the roof will be blown off. <laughs>
0: We don't mind a little bit of help from your side, anyway. That we accept whatever you said, yeah, and the feeling yeah. is mutual. As well. But look, I, I have to be nice, to, extra nice to you
1: guys, because people who are listening to this who are not aware of this, um, I had uh, uh, invoked both Vishnu and Shankar as characters in an episode of um, um, season one of Fear FM, which is the horror horror story on Indian Noir. Uh, and um taken them on a bike journey and then brutally murdered them uh i mean it was terrible some people i think wept at the at the sounds of Vishnu being squished to pulp um so i've been extra nasty to them so i'm going to take this
0: opportunity to be extra nice to them
1: in fact i'm so happy that you've decided to invite me to the podcast
0: after that's that. awesome <laughs> and we are going to play that clip in sometimes so keep uh, you, you know listening to this episode we are gonna put that clip out for you all to listen and um, I did share that uh, that episode with few of my friends and they had little difficulty looking at my face afterwards they <laughs> yes. were like dude you know what every time I look at you I remember that episode and whatever happened to you
2: and yeah if you haven't already figured out that's the reason why you are on the show <laughs> yes right. this is what I should do kill more, kill more Indian podcasters on the show
0: So we'll delve deeper into, you know, your uh, storytelling and um, the way you conceptualize all these stories and the way you uh, come up with these characters and the way to brutally murder them and all that uh, stuff a little later in the podcast. But um, you being into into the horror uh, genre, right, we want to talk a little bit about why horror is so uh, such an interesting subject for people and why human beings are always associated with something uh, that is horrifying. Right. So so I think we'll start a conversation from there and uh, then move into the different aspects of horror and how horror is there in the culture around us and in movies and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, And I think a good starting point for us would be just to talk about why horror would have uh, penetrated its way into human life. And um, if you think quite simply about it, um, as an early human in an unknown world without the aid of science, your ancestors pass away and it's difficult for you to process things like dead, like death. And it's easy. You can see how easily you would create these constructs that they have gone on another journey, that they are in another plane, that they might be able to reach out to you. So these varying levels of wish fulfillment that would exist in these stories that would have um, created the early. Um, seeds of horror um, and you see that very clearly in um, the stories about ancient cultures uh, a lot of the abrahamic and egyptian mythology as you are aware have these stories about p- the dead journeying across the river or journeying into another plane from whence they are able to reach out to us so um from very early on that would have been the sort of domain does, does that It sound like something that 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 would have been the trigger for you guys as well.
0: Okay. Oh, uh, Nikesh, you know what? Uh, Shankar and I have our jaws dropped down to the floor. <laughs> I am actually
2: looking at Vishnu and making a WTF sign. i like, this, this is like a eureka <laughs> moment, you know? Exactly.
0: We have <laughs> never thought about horror uh, yeah. in the way that you just mentioned, because um, although we talk a lot about ghosts and what all the other stuff, right? We never thought about this kind of, uh, uh, you know, this is the this is the origin of uh, how horror got into human life. And the way you have just described it, I think that is the, that is actually the perfection that you cannot, uh, uh, you know, you cannot describe it any better. I think that that is how it Uh, exactly started.
2: I think to add to it, like, we both have been more into, you know, the scientific side of everything. So Mm. we have not really believed in paranormal activities and all that because of that. So we have never seen it from that perspective, which you just explained. Mm. And. It it's just so brilliant, you know. Yeah, yeah. So,
0: so, 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 so uh, as you said, it's true that you know, um, at least in the early days, whatever human being cannot explain, uh, yeah. because science was nowhere, right? There is no yeah. scientific proof. No, there was no 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 science at all. That is when everybody got into, parano- uh, you know, paranormal activities and all the supernatural things to start explaining about how things worked in this nature, right? Yeah. Uh, let, even if it is rain, when people didn't know what rain, where is rain coming from? We always thought that Indra is Indra or uh, some other god from the sky. He's just showering uh, water on us. Uh, yeah. Or something like that.
2: Yeah, that brings me to something I had read about a few weeks back. Like, uh, it's about an African tribe, which believes that uh, the the planes, aeroplanes, which pass through their... You know, la- land—it's like some god, godly thing. Wow, because man. they don't—they don't have an explanation about what it is, right? Yeah, it, there's, yeah. It,
0: there's a movie called "Gods Must Be Crazy," yes, Earth, right? Yes, I mean, yes. They, yes. They, yeah, they get a bottle and they start believing cool, that is God. Yeah. So it's I. So what you just described—it's just blown blow, <laughs> blow yeah. our mind. I, I'm it, a it, curious, you
1: know? ask coming from what you were saying, like so, going from that those sort of early belief systems, you can see how that would have then immersed uh, or merged with uh, classical storytelling so like if you look at the greek myths um, uh, you would see uh, lots of monsters like the hydra cyclops Mm -hmm. um, and similarly indian mythology has those elements as well which are a bit horrifying so have you guys not encountered it in like in indian mythology in terms of your life in india um, the, the horror elements that are in there
0: Oh, I would say that we were, since the time that we were born, I think we have encountered all these stories uh, as as children. Now, that, now we are uh, probably at a place where we have an understanding of how things work. Hmm. But I still remember when we were small, right? Um, it usually starts from your pa- parents or your grandparents, right? They have all these fantast- fantastic stories about how... Um, there is good and evil and evil mm. tries to you know lead Thankfully. you to down the path of uh you know bad things and you should always be praying to god so that you are kept away so there are these regional gods and you know demigods with all this evil superpower and all those kind of things and i we were brought up uh you know uh, partly in kerala Kerala is a land with many, many different deities and superstitions and all those kind of things. Uh, The society uh, is, uh, you know, uh, it's an amalgamation of all these kind of things, right? So as Mm. we grew up, there were all these, uh, even every single temple had a history behind it. And if you go to a temple, you'll see good and evil let me give you an example so uh we are from a city called trishur in K- kerala yeah uh, it's no- known as the cultural capital of india uh, of kerala and lot of lot of temple it's known for the number of temples that the 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 city has um it's called trishur because there are three shiva temples famous shiva temples also and uh the yeah. one one of them the most i think
1: one of the names is trishiva the- peru isn't it trishur is trishiva peru yeah,
0: Perur. yeah. Trishwar yes. Perur is a real name uh, yep. because there are three Shivas. And now that got yep. shortened during the British time and it became Trishur now. Right. Um, so one of the temples called Varakunna, the temple, right? Um, it's in the center of the city. Uh, and people are discouraged from going near the temple at night uh, because they say that you hear strange sounds of uh, someone hitting something with a hammer kind of a thing. The mm. story surrounding that is that uh, since we are all in Kali Yuga right now, according to, uh, you know, Hindu mythology.
2: Mm. um.
0: There is a stone which grows in size uh, yeah. and that stone is visible. If you go to the temple, you can see the stone and you can see some marks on top of the stone. Like if someone has hit uh, hit the stone with some heavy object. Right. So the story goes like um, Shiva comes out every night in an effort to try and prevent uh, Kali from growing in this age. He tries to hit the stone and, you know, reduce the height of the stone. So... so the the effect of Kali is directly proportional to the you know height of the stone. <laughs> that's what, that's what incredible.
1: I I didn't know that about the Varakandathan Temple. That's right. that's an incredible story. Um, and you know just yeah. you saying that reminded me, and uh, because I I part part of, part of my childhood was spent in Kerala as well. I had this sudden mental image of my, and uh, my great aunt, uh, when we used to have power cuts and we see flames going across the fields. She would tell me that's all the modern. The Mardanmar are traveling across the fields. Uh, they are these, you know, 10-foot giants that are going on a procession through the paddy fields to climb up on the rocks to look across the their empire. <laughs> you know, when you said that story, it reminded me of that. Of that.
0: Yeah, I think a part of that was also to keep the kids safe as well, right? I right. mean, um, not necessarily from the evil of supernatural, probably from other stuff like, you know, wild animals or falling yeah, into a yeah. pit or something like that, so that they don't, they don't go out at late at night. So they came up with all these uh, you know, crazy stories and stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, but yeah. But
1: and, yeah and that's a trademark of early horror too. Like it serves as a as a as a warning to prevent you from going into certain places after dark, because you know, you are likely to be either hurt by animals or the state of the treacherous geography there. So you have all these horror stories about the grove that early humans would have perpetrated. Um, and, you know, some of them are directly linked to power structures in society. When the priestly class became, uh, wanted to become more powerful. They needed a, a, a tool to wield. And while they have religion to bring people in, in line, it's, Horrifying tales that would really prevent someone from challenging them. So, you know, just as you rightly pointed out, they would have served as warnings. And the thing with horror stories and children, it's, you know, the collection, it's got such a major connection. The Grimm's fairy tales, um, a lot of the stories that you were mentioning, like the one that my great aunt would have told me um, when I was a child, um, they're all about preventing um, terrible accidents or any bad. Uh, um, you know, events from occurring when a child goes out to play in the woods.
0: That's right, and I, I think another purpose that these, uh, you know, devil and all those kind of negative, um, you know, forces. heroes or what for forces played is that they made the heroes look better. Hmm. And uh, they say, right, every hero needs a villain. So unless you have something horrifying, you cannot show the god or uh, the hero in a, in their their true glory. Right? I mean, yeah. If they don't, if evil doesn't exist, there is no use for good to exist as Reminds
2: well. Reminds me of Two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <a> lot <laughs> of,
0: <laughs> I, I love that movie, by the way. I just love Two. I think that is our favorite
1: movie as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was such easy and wonderful and the action's great. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think the, I think more than the duality of horror, um, what's happened over a period of time is it's become complex through literature and art, and movies. And I think two things that I'll talk about today that's influenced me as a writer and a storyteller that would eventually go on to make podcasts on this topic would be my experience with it in literature. So I did a bachelor's in literature. Um, That was my first bachelor's that I did. And so that really helped me engage with literature in general, Uh, but also horror literature in particular. So the Term horror first comes into play in the 1764 novel called The Castle of Otranto. Uh, and it uh, is then taken on by writers like Anne Radcliffe and Matthew Gregory Lewis, who wrote The Monk. Um, and it's it's in this elemental stage. So this duality thing that we are talking about. But then it just really has this... Um, explosion in terms of its quality so the first great horror classic really is frankenstein by mary shelley um have you guys read or watched frankenstein as a movie
0: um i think i have read i've not completely read the book i yeah. think we had that book in the library and i've read a little bit of it but i've watched some animated series about uh frankenstein but i'm not sure how much it actually relates to the true story i've watched one of the silent
2: uh film era movie of frankenstein and uh, nice a lot of animated stuff yeah
0: yeah yeah. and
1: it's you know it's very uh, culturally influential so it comes into play mm-hmm. a lot but there you can see how this duality of the god versus demon is changing and it beca- it becomes more about the evil that human beings can perpetrate when they inherit science as a power you know this this doctor chooses to use the powers to reanimate a corpse so that's the true mm-hmm. horror there and what goes on from there is the growth of atmospheric horror. So post that writers like Mary Shelley, uh, sorry, um, um, writers like Emily Brontë, and Nathaniel Hawthorne, uh, they start to use horror to discuss the atmosphere of those things. So um, Arthur Conan Doyle's written some works, Robert Louis Stevenson, if you want to look at the early history of it. Uh, but Really, the two—I—I I, think—try and engage with Frankenstein. It's—it's it's incredible. But the two stories that I'd recommend are Henry James's *Turn of the Screw*, and then going on uh, from there, everyone's favorite, Bram Stoker's *Dracula*. That's where we see really right. see it peaking. It moves away from the duality to these complex relationships with that that people have with each other.
0: Right, right. That's that's right. I mean, *Dracula* is something that. Um, I don't remember when was the first time I heard about Dracula but because uh, it, it's it's something that it, you kind of grew up with, right? Knowing that yes. Dracula is one of the most uh, evil characters in in literature and all that. I've had an um, opportunity to read the book uh, yeah. and it really scared me out. I think that yeah. was the first time I actually read something and got scared. Yeah. I uh, Usually you watch movies, you see things, you get scared. But the book really frightened me out when I was little young. Yeah,
1: I'm I'm curious about that. I'm curious about how, um, and I'd like to hear from both of you about your reading experience with horror. Like, what have you read? How has it affected you? And then I'll go and talk on, talk about how it's affected me.
0: All right, I, I I think I'll start first. Um, so I was this kind of a guy who used to read a lot when I was a kid. Um, not so much right now, but uh, I used to go into my school library and find out those kind of books which no other kids usually read. Um, others preferred all these uh, little books like uh, which has these cartoon characters Hardy and boys. stuff like yeah, Hardy Boys, <laughs> Nancy Drew, and all that. But I preferred more like um, thrillers and you know uh, horror stuff and all that. And yeah. I, most of the books which I've read. They're not by famous authors also, I think. There are some of these uh, small gems, some of Indian authors also. So, I have one of the books which, um, as I mentioned, um, uh, which I read during that time was Dracula. Because I've heard a lot about it and different versions of the story as well, right? There yeah. are a lot of custom versions of Dracula as well. And I have not watched any movies. Uh, I had not watched any movie at that point. So, yeah. I got this book. Um, I usually sit, um, you know, sit and watch what the moment I reach home taking breaks only for uh, eating and other stuff i i i'm kind of a person who likes to finish the book as soon as possible i don't yeah. keep it for like, that kind of thing right um the reading experience was it, it was like incredible so the the good the thing that thing with reading is uh, which i which i usually prefer is as you're reading through the pages right and as you see the characters and um, their descriptions you have this mental image that you create about the surroundings and the location and the kind of people they are and the way they look right and yeah. since it's your creation you can create them as, as you as you want this is the reason i feel many times when um you know books are made into movies and series and stuff people tend to get disappointed, right? With the mm-hmm. casting choices and stuff like that. Because And that has happened with me as well. Uh, I have not been happy about some of the casting choices because you have these, you know, images created in your mind. And of when course. you see something else filling that space, you're like, this is not how I imagined. How? <laughs> so I used to read this book, uh, you know, the moment I reach home and as the day, um, you know, moved into nighttime, it started getting creepier and creepier, right? Mm. Because, uh, then you start imagining you want to go to the rest uh, the to the bathroom you think that okay i just read this portion where this uh, particular thing is coming from the sh- behind the shadows if i go to the bathroom right now what if something like that is waiting for me there so you start yeah. creating these mental images of these kind of things but there was a thrill in that as well right uh, sleeping at night might not be uh, that's you won't get good sleep but I used to love that adrenaline flow. The flow that came with, you know, reading these kind of horror books and stuff like that. So that's my reading experiences. Uh, experience. I never enjoyed watching as much as I used to enjoy reading.
1: And and Vishnu, yours. What was your experience like? That was Vishnu. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry, I got mixed, both of you mixed up again. Sorry, What was your, what was your experience?
2: Yeah. So uh, similarly, I started with uh, Dracula, and uh, the first time I read. That was in uh, you know the Malayalam version of it in Balarama. I'm not
0: sure if you have heard about Balarama.
1: Yeah, I used to read Balarama too, but you, th- there was B- B- Dracula
2: in Balarama. Yes, yes, <laughs> I think this
0: was during uh, early to mid two thousand. That's
2: 2001. awesome. Yeah, so that's how I started reading, you know, uh, and I think that's the first no- novel I've written, uh, I've read, and then from there on, I think uh, I jumped to uh, Sherlock Holmes, The uh, Hound of Baskerville. Uh, that kind of scared. Oh yeah, me. Hound yeah.
0: of Baskerville is another one. I, I think I'll I'll yeah. come to that later. Yeah, on.
2: and uh, so that's how I started out. But then uh, I lost interest, kind of lost interest, and then I got back into like not horror, it was more of like a gore kind of stuff where I started reading a lot about serial killers and all that. Mm. I was like very much. Fa- I'm still very fac- fascinated with that, and uh, that's how uh, I enjoyed, you know, the process of you know a little bit of horror and all that. Mm. Uh, and uh, one more thing, yeah uh probably like 3 years back i started listening to these creepy pasta kind of stuff mm. and uh, there is this channel called cop's husband mm. i'm not sure if you've heard yeah, about it's a youtube it. channel right yeah, yeah. So, uh, he used to put out some great stuff about you know horror kind of all these kind of stories and That, what I used to do was like before going to bed, instead of listening to some ASMR kind of stuff, (laughs) I used to listen to (laughs) this. I can't believe you were an,
1: I didn't take you for an
2: ASMR fan.
1: I I can't believe it.
0: I think uh, coming out of Closet, right, we both like ASMR.
1: It's it's happened, guys. Look, if nothing comes out of this podcast, you are absolutely bored by the sound of my voice. At least I've managed to, you know... (laughs) Get these two guys to confess that they are I, ASMR fans.
0: I think you would make a brilliant ASMR. Artist. I know you could do that. People <laughs> actually say
1: that my poetry readings actually are a bit ASMRish, so um, that you know people do listen to that. You know, as as, a, as an ASMR alternative. So yes, there's some merit to what you're saying. Right. I, I, how about starting another channel? Just <laughs> Adding another channel. I mean, I wouldn't know what sounds to make. Right. Like so. So you say? Can you? I know we are now going off topic, but uh w- what that's counts a, that's, as style of,
0: that's, I, that's the style of this podcast right i'll <laughs> tell you what kind of sounds you can make the sound of <laughs> yeah. uh demon's nails scratching against the door <laughs> of, um, <something laughs> <like>. and <laughs> it would put people to sleep really right and the demon coming and whispering in the
2: ears <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh yeah, I'm an ASMR guy because I have a lot of trouble <laughs> sleeping. So it helps you
0: You'll have t- sleep. trouble getting girls from tomorrow, dude. You're done. No, this is, I yeah. don't care.
2: You know, I just want
1: to get good sleep. He wants to sleep. No, I, I look, I think, I think, you know, girls would, appreciate, girls would appreciate the fact that you're a man who looks after your health and, uh, you know, that you then catches up on your eight, hour of sleep, eight hours of sleep by listening to something. Um, but that's just profound. <laughs>
2: Yeah so uh i started listening to uh, creepy pasta kind of stuff yeah rather than Samara. and uh, there are like a lot of th- true stories and uh, stuff that uh, which are like fiction and mm. that really fascinated me especially stories where you know people just go for a walk in the woods at night and they yeah. have someone following them you know yeah yeah but yeah. uh, especially was like a girl uh she uh, she's staying at her grandparents place and yeah. uh, she every day she used to go for a 2 mile walk or something it would take like half an hour and yeah. she smokes smokes up and walks okay and she felt like someone's following her and the whole story is about how she got back and it took uh, a walk which usually takes her like half an hour it took her 7 hours to you know uh, jeez yeah back. yeah so that kind of stuff really fascinated me so that's my that's the kind of horror which i like yeah. And look, um, it's very interesting
1: from both both of your reading experiences. Mine's very similar in that I was exposed to some of those classics you're talking about as a kid as well, especially in abridged forms like Hand of Baskerville or, um, or Dracula. Uh, but I think my earliest sort of, uh, I'll talk about movies separately because that's been a big influence, but we are now sticking to yeah. literature. Okay. And right. um, even as a kid, movies were was such a big impact on me. But talking about literature, I think the, the the start of it was um uh, uh, this distant relative of mine, Molly Cheti, whenever I used to go on holidays to my mm-hmm. grandfather's um mm-hmm. and she uh used to read uh the, those m- those weekly magazines that were such a hit in Kerala. So like the Manala Manorama um uh, magazine, mm-hmm. Mangalam, yes, all those magazines. And if you remember them, they always have two page stories that's it Uh, they are serialized but they are just two pages so in a way Mm -hmm. indian noir is an attempt to replicate those things they are short Mm -hmm. they're very punchy they are tremendous and monetize used to tell me these stories um some of them involved you know black magic and because kerala has such a rich mythology of black magic you know it's always terrifying about what these black magicians could conjure with their magic and um but going from this, so I always loved those stories. Uh, I loved all the Indian mythology that my grandfather used to tell me that had some horror and tinge to it. Uh, but also going forward, uh, what happened to me in terms of reading was, uh, like you guys, getting exposed to average versions of some of those classical hits by Edgar Allan Poe and Bram Stoker, obviously. Um, but then when I finished, when I, when I when I was post high school and I had gone through my Hardy Boys face. Um, and I was—I got this um, membership to the Aylur Library in Trivandrum, and that was such a you know landmark moment in my life. Uh, in that, people there did not really restrict children from taking books <laughs> that were inappropriate for them home. So I've read all these salacious novels full of sex and violence, and also got exposed to horror quite early on. And my favorite then and still continues to be Stephen King, who I think is the best horror writer, especially in short form stories and novellas. I've read a lot of British writers like Ramsey Campbell, Clive Barker, mm-hmm. and James Herbert, and they've written some amazing books. So if you're taking note of these names, go and read their works. It's very classical. It's very traditional horror. Um it deliver- it packs a punch. Um And so really, uh, you know, just devoured those books and loved to live in the world. I don't remember being particularly scared by them. I just felt this inherent thrill at reading um, these stories and all these magical sort of horrifying constructs that they're conjured up. Um, I won't talk much about modern horror because I don't really read a lot. But after I went through all those writers that I mentioned, which I continue to read, like Stephen King, I still read him now, um, what I did was I went and I um, read some of the uh, classical writers and these writers are not not well known, but please take note of them because if you're looking for atmospheric horrors, like the mm. like the one that Shankar just mentioned with regards to um, the creepypasta experience he had, um, there's Ambrose Beers, Arthur Macken, Algernon Blackwood, and of course, H.P. Lovecraft. And what they did was they took the focus away from the monster but the but focused more on the creepiness of it. So like you, what you were saying before, the seven-hour walk, how creepy is that? It should take one hour, but it took seven hours.
2: That was uh, – I've – I've gone back and made Vishnu listen to it. It was like that impactful, you know.
0: Yeah, that's nice. I think that is the same thing that uh, that actually made the sound of Basketball is very interesting to me. If you look at it, there is no demon, there is no gore or any kind of stuff in that. The yeah. only thing that uh, creeps you out is the absence of uh, the source, which we are trying to find out what is the source of this and what is the source right. of all these holy noises and stuff like that. So uh, I think um, our Conan Doyle really creates a... Atmosphere, right? I mean, talking yeah. about the moor and the, the way the moon shines over the moor, and all this howling wind noises, and the Baskerville Hall—it paints a picture in your mind. Like you literally feel that you are—you uh, know—you are sitting with Watson there and looking out uh, of the window, expecting something yeah. to come out. So yeah. That I started preferring those kind of horror uh, stories, uh, those kind of uh, horror movies as well. Um, you know, rather than the stuff which shows more gore and, you know, uh, Absolutely. Talks about yeah. and stuff like that.
1: If you, if, you, if you love that, then you will love some of the authors that I've mentioned because I'm mm-hmm. trying to think Arthur Macken in particular, um, you know, they have a lot of these creepy stories about... Uh, people going and visiting someone who's their relative, and every time and go they go and visit this person, that person changes slightly. The house changes its shape slightly. Uh, the, you know the objects within it change their uh, their nature of of the of their existence changes slightly, and this sort of existential dread starts creeping into you because you don't understand what's going on, and not understanding what's going on, I think creeps people out the most. When you can examine something, when you can look behind the curtain and find what it is, then you know everything's revealed. Or if, even if there is a potential. But the great thing about right. some of these stories that we're talking about, you never find out
0: what's going on. Exactly. I think when we start talking about movies, one of the movies which which is in the similar lines, what was that movie seventeen uh, oh eight? What is oh, it? Oh yes. Eighteen oh seven. John Q Yeah, yeah, yeah the, 14, 18, the Stephen 18. King story, yeah. yeah. It's a Stephen King story, is it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. know that so so that story is in the same thing right i mean there are there is no uh, apparent ghost or there is no gore or something yeah. but the the horror in that is the person gets stuck there and there is no way that he's able to come out of that uh, that, yeah. that, room. that that room yeah. that's a kind of horror right yeah. and uh, after watching that movie personally i have thought that um, you know at times you get these thoughts that right? i'm like what if i get stuck in such such a thing where I, you know uh, being killed and i am being reborn again uh, endlessly like infinite yeah. number of times without being able to escape from that. It's, it's like right. kind of a mad situation, right? I mean, we have nightmares like that. Uh, but going mm-hmm. beyond that, we
1: also create personal health in our personality through that. We have these thought loops that sometimes we cannot escape. So, you know, stories like that are just a manifestation of those things. Um, that's a great thing about horror. It's a great way to discuss um, how we exist in the modern world. Um, the 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 real things that are going to harm us. So let's admit it. Like you know, you 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 and you and I, we're not going to get killed by a werewolf or a vampire if we step out of the house. It'll most likely be a truck from coming from interstate where the guy's been drunk and he's run over us and he maims us and we are trapped in this bed forever and ever and ever and, ever and nobody loves us anymore and we can't have sex and nobody uh, you know and we have to shit in a in a, in a diaper for the rest of our life. And to live that life across 50, 60 years till we die, that is true horror. Um,
2: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: and that also takes me to uh, some of these very, very short stories also, right? Um, I I don't clearly remember how the story goes, but it it is something along the lines of, let's say... um, Suddenly you open your eyes and you find yourself buried in a coffin and you can yeah. hear the sound of, you know, people throwing mud, mud or dirt or whatever it is to cover yeah. your coffin. Um, you are awake, but you're not able to do anything because you're dead. Yeah. So... Yeah but that kind of it's it's such a scary thought what if yeah. you when you're dead you are conscious about everything that is happening around you yeah. but you cannot do anything about it and you have you are uh, meant to spend eternity buried in a coffin or you yeah. know put into the fire or something like that that is that kind of stories are also something that i really like to read
1: are you aware of the concept of night terrors
0: um no
1: if you're not then let me give you a bit of a bit of a background on it so some people have this condition uh i don't know if you would call it a condition but it could be temporary it could last for a long time wherein they are unable to sleep they wake up they are frozen and they see the shadowy thing yeah. yeah i'm pretty sure everyone's experienced it at some level but for some people it's like an illness it's it's right. every night they see this it's terrifying and they have to go on this long treatment protocol to cure them so i yeah, had I
0: it's, it's also called sleep paralysis or yes, something like that correct that's exactly right. right it is sleep paralysis yeah
1: um and you know one of the um segments that i included in the first season of fear fm actually came from my personal experience of that uh because years ago i was living in queensland uh, in in northern australia I was going to uni there, university there, and uh, you know, and like a lot of um, uh, uni students, I used to, you know, be a night owl. And one night, I decided I was going to look into the Black Dahlia murder case. It's the infamous murder case in Los Angeles. I a lot of people, a lot of you might know this. They've made movies about this. Um, uh, there was a recent TV show. Uh, what was it called? Uh, I can't remember the name now. It'll come to me a bit later. But it's a famous case. And what happened was this young woman who was coming to LA to be an actress, she was she got into a car and then they found, they found her the next day. You know, all her body parts were chopped up and separated. And she had, what do they call it, a Glasgow grin, which is being cut from one end of the cheek to the other, like a smile. Yeah, the Joker, the Joker. And, The Joker smile, exactly. And, you know, that's how her body was found. And there's been lots of theories about who did it. um, And, you know, it's a horrifying case. Anyway, I decided to look into that. And then I read extensively about it. read the post-mortem reports, looked at the photos of the crime scene, looked at the photos of the body, and then I decided to go to sleep. And then an hour and a half into that, I woke up, I had sleep paralysis, and I had the image of this woman chopped up only that she's joined in the bits that she was chopped up as if she was sutured together she had the big Glasgow grin and she climbed up the bed right on top of me and put her face right next to me
0: so how real was it did you so I see I have not had this experience the reason I'm asking is I've read about a lot of sleep paralysis experiences that people have put in reddit and all the other places right yeah there was uh because I've also heard some people say that you can actually get into st- sleep paralysis state if you want voluntarily. Yeah. Uh, what basically happens is your brain is awake and the brain is sent a signal to your body to be asleep or something like that. Yeah. So that is the reason you're not able to move them. Uh, the, the, your limbs don't get the signal or something. Yeah. Yeah. So what I want to know is how real did you think that that experience was.
1: Look, it's so real that now that I'm talking to you about this, my body's gone rigid at the memory of it. So it was just like enduring a real trauma. It was incredibly real. It was, it lasted for hours. I kid you not. I would have experienced that for at least two hours straight. I could not move. I kept looking around the room, trying to avoid this sight in front of my eyes The creature would move from top of my body to the corner of the room and then back again. And even when I would managed to completely wipe out the visual, it was there in the room. And that was worse. The fact that I couldn't see
0: it was worse. Right. So so when you say it climbed on your body, you can actually, actually feel the sensations, right? You feel heavy on your chest and all that kind of stuff. Right,
1: You see the thing crawling, the bed sheet compressing around you, the sheets pull, being pulled across your body. It's, it's It's fingers pushing into your muscle and your flesh, it coming directly on top of you. It's breath on you. You feel all of that.
0: So it's uh, at that stage it becomes really difficult to um you know kind of kind of between. differentiate whether it's really happening or is it something that you're just dreaming or something right? Correct.
1: Yeah, it it is like that because you kind of your logic kind of intercedes and says ah this can't be real but everything that you're seeing right. in front of your eyes and you're experiencing says otherwise. Um, not to mention that you've gone completely paralyzed and you know oh. you feel paralysis. Do you know what I mean? Like. Just like you have the ability to move and you sense that, the inability to move is also a sensation. And that just weighs you down so much that it is so real. Um, it's, it's terrifying. I, I really don't know how people live with that day in and day out. And there's some amazing documentaries on YouTube about it. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, that's, that's where I think I got introduced to this uh, this concept, uh, th- this this thing as well. Uh, and I'm sure that it's not just those two hours, even after waking up next day morning, you would have thought about it a lot. Oh,
1: totally. To this to this day,
0: I think about it. I mean, I'm talking to you about
1: this right now. So, you know, that's how much of an impact it's had. And it's, you know, obviously filtered into what I write as well. So I've always wanted to put that sequence in. So very early on in the first season of Fear FM, I thought that's the best way to introduce the monster in it. Um and uh in that i did not uh fully reveal the monster i chose to go with the dark shadowy shapes that people with night terror generally tend to experience it's not often as graphic as the one that i saw um and so, because i knew more people would have seen experienced that version of a night terror versus the uh version that i saw and you know i think i think like that that episode there was lots of reactions to it there was very interesting i i, I just, you just don't realize how prevalent this thing is, uh, and it tends to disappear. Some people have it when they're like in their um, when they're in their high school years. Some people in their university years. I had it. I had this one experience when I was, you know, in my early twenties, and then never had it. Um, but I remember having them when I was in my high school years for a for an year or so. Um, but it's different for different people.
0: So. Uh, have you ever had the fear to go to sleep after this? Uh, no, you know, no. Thinking at-
1: no, thinking I struggle more. with sleeping. Not because, not because of uh, you know the night terror experience or my general fear of uh, ghosts. I just struggle with sleeping because uh, it's usually two minutes before I'm able to close my eyes that I'll have an amazing idea. Oh, you know, uh-huh. I do, yeah, that's that's when I usually get my plot ideas. Or what do I do do at work tomorrow? Or you know, what do I do for next weekend? Um, see, th- that's what I mean. That is the true horror. Uh, it's not these terrifying things. It's our existential behaviors.
0: Right. I, I think uh, before we move on to the movies, the horror and movies and stuff, now that yeah. we're discussing a little bit personal about your stuff, right? Why don't we touch about a little bit about how do you get these ideas and how you come up with these concepts and characters and and especially the thing that I'm really interested to know is yeah. how do you come up with this, uh, you know, innovative ways of killing off your characters? Yeah, sure. Especially <laughs> with our episode, right? I mean, you <laughs> yeah. you did a tremendous job in killing us. And I think this is the right time to play that episode as well. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So
1: well, I'll, I'll explain how I came to the idea of your particular episode. And then it'll be a nice way to segue into that segment. I totally agree. Uh, but talking sure. more about... Um, so most of the writing that I've been doing over the last 15 years, I started writing poetry. I wrote literary fiction, which had nothing to do with genre elements like crime or horror. Uh, It was usually about social issues uh, facing uh, people who live in the fringe in India. um, And, you know, people, prostitutes, uh, people who are homeless, drug addicts. Uh, people who are from um, lower castes who are persecuted, religious violence in India. Those are the things that I wrote about for years and won awards for or published books in. Um, And it's once that wasn't very satisfying that I moved to writing genre fiction. And that's how I wrote His Night Begins, which was a crime novel, which is now being adapted and uh, is now in the podcast as a story, as an audio story. Um, But horror is something I've always attempted quite regularly, Um, And the structure of horror writing is not too dissimilar to the structure of writing any fiction or any novel. Um, But in terms of what I'm doing now, I follow more of a movie structure, a screenplay structure in the podcast versus a story structure. And the way it works is that uh, it's two layers, I suppose, when you talk about horror and how the ideas come about. It's the layer of the story. And you have a character who's living a normal existence. Who's you know is set in their ways. They something happens to them that pushes them out of that comfort zone. They have to go on a journey and transform, or perish, or transform and ascend as a better human being. And that's the end of that story. So it's got that story level of it, uh, and then you layer the horror of it, which is talking about is finding the discomfort. So uh, let's take the first season of Fear FM for example. So you have a man, Prakash, who's lost his job in the US. He's come home and he is yearning to go back to do that work so he can avoid looking after his sick mother uh, because he's got a you know a fraught relationship with her. They've got bad blood in their history. Um, But it's the recession. He's trapped in this home. He's um, you know he's depressed. Uh, He doesn't want to engage with society. And then something terrible comes into their lives. And he's forced into confronting who he is. And the way horror works is throwing that element at that person. And that takes the form of a monster, but the monster is really their own flaws. In Prakash's case, it's his inherent ability to go back and look at the past and say, was this truly that happened between me and my family? Um, You know, how am I treating my mother now? And I'm talking about all these responsibilities and the money that my foreign IT company can give me. But what about my responsibility as a son? What about my wider responsibility to my culture? That takes the form of this monster called the Darkin, who then terrorizes these people. And him and his mother and the supernatural investigator named Ektaji have to go on this journey to find a solution to to reduce to to bring down this team and, and and triumph in the end and they have this character growth so it's really those two layers and i hope i've that explained that properly
2: yeah see uh like it's very interesting when you told us about this like you take like normal conflicts like which people have in their daily lives and mm. you add that layer of horror to it that's how it works basically, yes. right yeah wow and at
1: the end of it, the personal troubles have to be more horrifying than the monster because the monster and the personal thing have merged together. Let me give you a classic example. Have you both seen The Shining? Uh, I have watched like half of it, not the whole. Half of it. You must watch the entire thing. Shining is incredible. So, in The Shining, uh, if people have watched it, that you know, I'm not going to give away too many too many spoilers. Um, <clears throat> It's a, a writer who, who's taking his family to a hotel, which is haunted, and terrible events happened there. That that movie, that story, even in the novel, is really... Sure, there is a supernatural hotel, there are ghosts, but that's really about Stephen King's worry about what he might have done to his children when he had an alcoholic alcohol problem. Okay. So... He was worried that when he was an alcoholic, he was going to hit his children and damage them in some way. And it's really tapping into that fear. Uh, and that is the real horror in that, not the ghosts, not the hotels, but then the two merge together in such a way that elementally you understand. Human beings understand this this is at a deeper level, um, the, 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 what, what the, the, the manifestation of the ghost actually means. A recent hit, Babadook, which is an, an incredible um, movie, if you get a chance to watch. It's a woman and her son. She's a single mother going through depression, living in a house. They open this box. This demon comes out. Um, really, that story is about the struggle of single mothers without support, having to go through child rearing, which is a terrible, which is a difficult process, not a terrible process. It's a difficult process. And having no support, especially in a insular society that we live in, and the terror of having to de- lead with depression um, tied in with those personal responsibilities, and how those two people triumph, uh, you know, in in that scenario.
0: Right, I think uh, Exhaustist also falls along those lines, right? I mean, it's a, it's, it's it's almost the similar lines where a single mother is taking care of her daughter. Yeah. Uh, Who is becoming a teenager, and you know there are some issues with, uh, you know, she faces when she starts seeing other men, and you know the daughter doesn't approve of it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's that's the premise which which the author has set up there.
1: I, I'm really glad you brought that up. Um, you know, because if you get a chance, I mean, do watch The Exorcist, but do
0: read the novel. Uh, well, the we, have, we have we have a exorcist. About how we watched Exorcist. That was one of the most uh, terrifying experiences of our life. And probably that is the reason that we stopped watching horror <laughs> movies altogether as well. So, yeah. if I may, I'll take uh, five minutes and explain what happened. So, I think this was um, early 2000s. two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah, sometime I, circa 2002 or something. I think we were both in school at that time. And I had this very close friend of mine um, who stayed around, let's say, 10 kilometers from our house. This is back in Kerala. Okay. Yeah. Um, And um, he was a movie buff. Um, whenever he comes, we watch a lot of movies and stuff. Mostly a Bollywood stuff. It was, was a movie.
2: time of DVDs. You know, exactly. you get good quality uh, videos. Yeah. Exactly.
0: So he was a big Shah Rukh Khan fan and we ended up watching a lot of Shah Rukh. So what happened is um, our uh, exams were over. We were both sitting, you know, uh, there is nothing much to do in those days. No phones, computers and stuff like that. right? Uh, so we were getting bored. Um, and we spoke with this friend of mine and he said, why don't you guys come over to my place and stay for a couple of days and we'll watch a lot of movies. Um, we uh, went over, we watched a lot of movies and stuff. And I have heard about Exorcist being the most, um, you know, um, uh, the Greatest horror movie from my cousins and my friends. Every um, so really went to the DVD shop. I suggested that hey, um, I've heard this movie is like crazy, uh, you know, a horrifying movie. Why don't we watch it since we have three of us uh, together, right? <laughs> if, it was, <laughs> I, if, if it was, I would never. Because I don't even want to know what it what is there in it. Yeah. So what we did, we bought the DVD, um, came home, had a nice dinner. Uh, his family went to sleep. And we decided that we'll start watching the movie only at 12 o'clock. Yeah. Right. Great. Add atmosphere and all that. We switched off all the lights. We op- we were in the first floor. So, uh, we opened the uh, window. There was a tree outside which cast a, sh- a shadow inside uh, in the kitchen and all. So, it was completely spooky and we wanted it to be as spooky as possible. Just to add to the, you know... Um, to the Atmosphere, thing. yeah. Right? So, we created that atmosphere. Everything was silent. Then we started watching the movie. Um, and, you know, you have watched the movie and you know what would have happened. So, there were some scenes which were like so crazy. And I vividly remember the moment the movie got over three of us were just petrified in our seats we were not able to move at all yeah we were looking at each other we were like what next and and i wanted to pee so badly actually we three wanted to pee yeah and (laughs) the bathroom is a flight of stairs down and you have to go down and uh, you know it's like a spooky there's no light that was one of the most Uh, scared I've ever felt watching something. uh,
2: We we, we were in the living room, right? We we were watching it in the living room and the kitchen was right next to it. And there was this, you know, polythene covers, right? Mm. Yeah. Because of the fan from the living room, the polythene covers started, you know, making this noise, like, you know, that...
0: that, And you remember the scene where uh, her head turns around and there's this weird sound I think I heard uh, they got Oscar for that sound effect where they put uh, credit cards in a leather wallet and twisted it, which made that right. sound of phones or something like that, right? So wow. sounds kind of out. And when you when you're scared, you start hearing a lot more than what actually there. Yeah. Actually they're, Right. And this is so- tying back to something we were talking about before about you know, um, you know when you watch that
1: that that movie. And this would have been the same effect of telling stories around a campfire for early human beings. It raises your levels of alertness. So you become super alert to things that you need to be wary of. Um, so that's something that's manifesting in what you're saying. But sorry to interrupt you, but please carry on.
0: Yeah, th- I think uh, that's it. Then yeah, we yeah, decided...
1: so
2: we basically, three of us yeah. went together to the washroom and, you know, we took turns. The other two would stand outside the door. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how we peed. That was scared. hilarious. And-
0: to overcome that, I think we watched E.T. E. 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 or something yeah. afterwards. God.
2: I
1: mean, that's <laughs> so creepy. That's a creepy movie in itself. That creature is so creepy. So yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that was a good choice. Uh, but yeah. that, that's that's incredible. I mean, the thing is, if you get a chance, please read the novel because the novel has this added layer, which makes it even more terrifying, which I think it stayed with me for so long um, that it's it's crept into some of my work as well because the, and it's not included in the movie, obviously, because it would increase the runtime. The priest who goes to perform the exorcism, the younger priest, his mother is in an old age home. And he has all this guilt about her being in the old age home. Hmm. And that, it's it's an amazing book because that amplifies the terror. As he's dealing with this girl and he's reading with his personal guilt, which is his true existential horror. Uh his inability to sacrifice himself for his mother, that uh, really amplifies the terror. Um Exorcist, such a great movie, such a great book. Um, you know, and I I'm I'm not surprised that you had that experience.
0: Yeah, so um I haven't watched horror for that, uh, you know, but always with you know, during the daytime or with my cousins and brother brothers yeah. and uh, or something. But this was the first one where I knew that it was horror and we created a scenario where, you know, uh, an atmosphere of more creepiness and it delivered uh, the punch. That's what I would say. And it it, it gave me what I expected, but maybe a little more than I was prepared for.
1: Talking about delivering punch. um, I was going to talk about this a bit later. Uh, Actually, we will talk about this a bit bit later when we talk about horror in in India, that delivering the punch aspect is crucial to, a lot of stories and i've got some ex- ex- examples from stories in india where that happens but i think now's a good point to answer your question from before um shankar about how i came about upon the scenario with the two of you i mean obviously um from engaging with your podcast and also your website i had some hints about your personalities and how you were uh but i think we had a conversation at one stage i think it was with um with you, Shankar, where there was some throwaway line about the traffic in, in in your city. And I thought to my and you were complaining about it. And then I thought to myself, what's the best thing that could happen to these guys? And in the <laughs> journey of the best thing happening to these guys, what's the worst thing that could happen to these guys? And that was exactly the the structure of it. You are freed from the traffic, the congested confines of your city both of you are traveling on this bike having a jolly good time one of you has to pee and you know you get off at this forest that's this freedom and and clean air and open and you get
0: butchered so <laughs>
1: that was essentially like
0: you you push the characters to the peak on one side uh, make them feel all you know um uh, yeah f- make them feel euphoria and all of a sudden something happens so bad that, <laughs> that
2: it's like you know the price you pay for freedom that's right yeah
1: yeah that's right i mean look, this is this is true with a, we will we will talk about this when we talk about movies um every era has its boogeyman or boogie situation uh, but what you just explained is the distillation of that yeah so when you get excess of something then you know you tell people ah but you need to fear that um, you see that a lot and when we talk about um how for example the fear of technology has been portrayed in movies we will explore that a bit more but i think now is a good time for people to listen to that episode where both of you get squished
0: right so um uh, we'll play the clip of uh, that episode where uh, we bo- both of us are the characters in the in the amazing story um so we will lead you into the story right now you can listen to it and come back to this discussion um probably a lot more scared than what you actually are right now. Brilliant.
3: Shankar and Vishnu were on their way to an audio production conference. They were from the neighboring city, and the only way to get to their destination was the road that cut through Narakaranya forest. As usual, Vishnu could barely keep his attention on the road thanks to Shankar's constant stream of interesting factoids, stories of recent romantic conquests, and just plain rubbish. Occasionally, he broke into a song from a latest blockbuster the integrity of the piece compromised by the windshield on his half-face helmet and his attempts at improvising. Did you know that cats don't taste sweet, but dogs taste salty? Shankar said. What? I don't even want to know how you gained this knowledge. Vishnu responded. Yep, it's true. Vishnu chuckled. Protestations aside, he wouldn't know what to do without his crazy brother who had rambled all his life and kept them entertained through many a motorcycle journey. They were thinking of starting a podcast called The Motorcycle Diaries to capture the precious and hilarious rants they engaged in. The name wasn't original, but hey, you gotta start somewhere. Vishnu braked and pulled over the bike. What the hell is wrong with you, man? Late afternoon haunted forest, Shankar said. I got a pee, man, and I'm sure the haunted forest wouldn't mind some uric acid to fertilize its soil, Vishnu said. You! Yuck! That's a tad too descriptive for my taste, Shankar said. Do me a favor, please. Don't use taste and urine in the same sentence. Please. Vishnu said as he hopped off the bike. He walked into the woods where he could still see the bike and his brother and the road. But people passing by couldn't see him relieving himself. Unlike his brother, he had a sense of shame. I mean, seriously though, what do you think about the crazy stories they tell about this forest? Shankar asked. I don't believe in supernatural rubbish, Vishnu said. I have told you so many crazy, unbelievable but true factoids over the years. Ghosts could be true, too. Maybe you are pissing on one right now, Shankar said. Shut the fuck up. I can't pee properly if you keep talking, Vishnu said. I mean, technically, you are more likely to get bitten by a snake than see a ghost around here. Did you know 46,000 people die from snake bites every year in India? Shankar said. Stop that shit! You are freaking me out! Vishnu said, looking around to check if there was a poisonous serpent headed his way. The forest was suddenly unnaturally quiet. Even Shankar, who never stopped blabbering, had gone silent. Vishnu zipped his pants and turned around, half expecting his brother to be standing behind him with a vine or a stick, pretending it was a snake he had wrestled into submission. Instead, his brother was nowhere to be seen. In fact, he couldn't see the road or the bike. It was as if he was suddenly transported to another part of the forest with an unending row of trees. Shankar? Shankar! he called out. He walked towards the trees where his bike should have been. There was nothing there. He caught a movement to his left. His brother was standing still, facing away from him. Shankar! He called out. No response. Vishnu walked towards his brother slowly. He felt the forest pulsing with evil intent. When he reached him, Vishnu touched Shankar on the shoulder. No movement. Suddenly, Shankar brought his arms up to his face, and Vishnu heard the most disgusting of sounds. What the... he said as he forcefully grabbed Shankar's shoulders and turned him around. Shankar was clawing at his face. In fact, he had ripped off half of his left cheek. Exposing the ragged flesh left behind, the gums, the teeth and the tongue covered in gore. No! No! Vishnu screamed.
2: Stop it!
3: Shankar, who was now clawing at the other side of his face, halted his actions abruptly. He was staring at something past Vishnu, something behind him. The beginnings of a sick smile made the hole in his left cheek bigger. Shankar started clapping. Vishnu turned around slowly, with dread. A mob of shadowy figures had emerged from the forest. The absence of light defined the beings whose forms were like pitch-black tears in the fabric of reality. They approached him, whispering at an inhuman pace. Before Vishnu could will his legs to run, they wrestled him down to the forest floor. He squirmed and cried on the wet leaves, crushing them underneath him. The creatures held him down. Junker was in a frenzy, clapping and shouting joyfully, Glory! Glory to the Master of Shadows! The soundtrack of his madness merging with the sounds of the forest. The shadows gathered stones and wood from the forest. They stood over him now, holding up the primitive weapons, ready to attack. Vishnu sensed their demonic desires like a crushing weight on his chest. His body was paralysed. Their iron grip made it impossible to escape. The first stab from the sharp end of a stick punctured his right eyeball. Before he could process the pain from it, a rock crushed his skull in. Then something punctured his lungs. His kneecaps shattered next. With each strike, they reduced his body to a form that would make identification a difficult process. All the while, Shankar danced and clapped and tore away at his own flesh till he too was a primordial heap of gore.
0: All right so we hope that you enjoyed the clip and uh, you know uh, do let us know what you felt about it and we'll get back to the discussion that we were earlier so nikesh uh, let's move on
1: yeah but just just before we go further the first time you heard that episode what were your feelings I, and i'm i'm asking about the immediate reaction you were listening to it and you'd finished like what did you feel
0: okay uh, my experience i was really impressed by the way you had uh, evaluated our characters. First of all, not going to the (laughs) horror part right now. Um, You know, because uh, I think that would be in, in a parallel universe, that would be a conversation that we would have probably had, right? Um, The personalities are strikingly similar to what we actually are, yeah. right? Uh, you know, uh, Shankar being a little more playful and uh, all that and me being... Not a, that playful, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> m- myself being a little grumpy and all that kind of stuff. Uh, not always, but you know sometimes no, 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 is, always. we do uh, get into that kind of conversations as well. So I was really impressed by that. And I was really yeah. curious to see what how wrong can, the, you know, this day go? Um, yeah. And especially when the horror element started, right, um, you really painted a picture because I, I I usually listen to these kind of stories with my eyes closed so that I can imagine whatever you're just saying, right? So yeah. I have that picture painted clear in my mind. Yeah. Uh, every single detail, uh, the way you say, you know, uh, the bike, the helmet. Um, you know, in the in the uh, in the story that happens before, uh, when they say while going in the bus, they see the two helmets and stuff like that, right? Yeah. That itself uh, uh, gave me a little bit of uh, expectation as to w- <laughs> what would have gone gone wrong. Yeah. Uh, then you mention um, about going into the forest and parking there. That that spookiness that starts growing into you, right? And yeah. especially. I rem- when you mentioned about um, uh, you know Shankar facing towards opposite side and Vishnu trying to understand what's happening, he being very silent, and then you look at him and uh, you know him clawing at his face. I remembered a scene from a movie. I think it was. Uh, I don't know if it was Grudge. Mira. Uh, I think it was Grudge, in which there is this Japanese girl who's yeah. uh, walking down the stairs, and a lot of blood is coming out. A guy calls out his name, and she turns around. She doesn't have the jaw. Yeah, her tongue hanging down and stuff like that. And that scene was something that scared me for a long time. Not just the scare. I was like, I kept on thinking about it for a long time after I watched the movie. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> it was absolutely in the same, uh in the same ballpark where I, uh, I was, I kept thinking about that scene so much. Uh, and especially the other part where, you know, um, I was getting killed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> completely torn apart and all that. Uh, yeah. And, The interesting part is when you're watching a movie, it's a different character. And here you have already put yourself in that position where you are living through the story, right? And it really fascinated me to think about what if something like that really happens? How would I react or what would I do? Would I just look at my brother and see him get t- killing himself and would i take the bike and run away or would i stay back to you know kind of save him so that, those kind of questions start, started coming wow. into my mind
2: yeah. wow this is getting deep <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I,
0: so, <laughs> so i started questioning myself in uh, you know in such a situation would i value my life uh or would i stay back to try and revive my brother from uh you know yeah. whatever he is going
1: wow and you know what i mean we can laugh yeah we can laugh about this but people react in extremely different ways in the face of trauma like when you go into shop hmm. you know, a lot of people have no control over how
0: they behave that's right i mean who is to? I, I was just trying to see um it's difficult for us to imagine what we would do because we don't know we are not in this uh, situation right. yet but yeah. it made me think a lot about um what what relationships are, are and what is the motivation for you to give up your life for someone yeah. else? Right? Wow. Would you value your life uh, less than someone else's life? Be it your brother, be it your, uh, you know, significant other, you it your mother or whatever. So it went into all those deep kind of thoughts uh, for nice. me. That is my, you know, I have succeeded as a writer. And what about, what about you Shankar?
2: That's, that's like so deep. My, the I, I've listened to it like a few times, but, uh, the first time I listened to it, it was my reaction was plain and simple. I was, to be honest, I was really happy to die that way. And I was like laughing my heart out, you know. Yeah. My, it, it was like my reaction was even. I was surprised. You know, I'm getting killed, but I'm so happy. I don't know why. Exactly. Like, like Vishnu said, okay. It was like the polar opposite of what he said. So yeah. I think yeah.
0: that also reflects on our personalities a little bit, right? Yeah. I mean, when yeah. presented the same situation. How do you think about it? And I think, yeah. at least in my case, you have really hit a chord somewhere uh, by that narrative. I was like starting to question about your integrity and <laughs> the yeah, relationship yeah. and that yeah. stuff. And I did forward this, um, <laughs> you know, this episode to a few of my friends as well. Uh, and I got very, very... Uh, and most of them were really horrified. I think more because they are listening to their friend uh, getting killed or something. And it's more than the horror of uh, how it was done. It was about, oh, you know what? How could someone do this to you? Kind <laughs> yeah. Of <a> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> and look, that's, that's I'm really glad you raised that point. Because this is where horror becomes a superior genre to other genres. Because... Other genres, like let's say a spy thriller, um, you know, like a heist movie, who's going to go on a heist? Not many people. We, you know, we are never most of us are not going to be spies, but we will have at some stage have to lose someone we know. So I have had friends who have died in terrible accidents. And this this particular aspect you're talking about, you live through it. At least once in your life. Some of these issues that you're explore, exploring in horror will happen to you. you will endure it you will suffer the pain of it you will feel the terror of it for months and months and months. I remember when my um one of my distant cousins died he um well, there's a crazy story behind this by the way, and i don't believe in astrology and things like that, but this is a really a crazy story <laughs>
0: Well, I'm afraid we have to cut this shot right now and we will listen to Nikesh's interesting story in the next episode. We have a lot more coming up. Do keep listening to us. And before I wind this up, I want to thank everybody who is a part of the podcast meetup we had earlier this month. Thank you so much for coming in. And uh, my special thanks to Sangram, who has been our uh, supporter since a long time. Thank you, Sangram, for coming over and showing us your support and love. And I hope you start your podcast soon. So... Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Keep waiting for the next episode. We are going to conclude this conversation. And as always, see you soon.